Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode in our Topics in Drug Testing podcast series. My name is Frank Samaro, and I'm the Director of Marketing for the Clinical Drug Monitoring Franchise here at Quest Diagnostics. I'm super excited about today's episode titled Medication Adherence Testing for Your Patients Prescribed Controlled Substances. As always, our podcast will feature Quest's very own Dr. Jeff Gooden and Dr. Jack Kane from our Clinical Drug Monitoring Franchise. Jeff and Jack, great to have you with us today. I'll turn it over to you for some introductions and to get the discussion started. Thanks, Frank, and welcome to another Quest podcast entitled Medication Adherence Testing for Patients Prescribed Controlled Substances. I'm Dr. Jeff Gooden, board-certified anesthesiologist and pain management specialist and senior medical consultant to Quest Toxicology Drug Monitoring Franchise, accompanied by my friend and colleague, Dr. Jack Kane. Jack, a quick intro. Hey, Dr. Gooden, thank you. This is Dr. Jack Kane, Director of Medical Science Liaison for Quest Drug Monitoring. So for those of you new to our podcast series, Jack and I have done podcasts on various topics in drug monitoring, and we thought it would be a good idea to kind of circle back and just from a top-down approach, talk about how and why do we do drug testing, right? You know, we know that drug abuse is still a major issue in this country. A lot of people still call it the opioid epidemic, and there are still plenty of physicians out there, especially those in the, on the front lines like primary care and physical medicine who aren't actually testing their patients using drug monitoring. So we thought it'd be a good idea to kind of recover some of the topics that we've talked about and get into the specifics of medication adherence monitoring. So really, this is a tool that's in our toolbox, like many of the other tools, like the questionnaires that we use and like the state's prescription drug monitoring databases that we query, like interviewing patients, like asking them the the important questions. Drug testing can help identify both prescribed and non-prescribed substances. Clearly, it helps us identify potentially harmful drug-drug interactions. And for me, and as an addictionologist and a pain management specialist, where I find drug monitoring most helpful is you know, the early detection of someone who may have a substance use disorder. Jack, catch us up to date. What's been happening the last couple of years in this country from a overdose death standpoint? Yeah, I mean, drug overdoses, I think we've heard it enough in the news, um, you know, that drug overdoses have reached an all-time high. I remember even back in 2016, 2017, I thought that 60,000, 72,000 deaths was a lot. But um, in 2021, we, we saw that number skyrocket to, you know, 108,000 people who died of drug overdoses. So, very alarming. We know that the largest culprit or contributor for that statistic is fentanyl, which is a synthetic opioid, arguably the deadliest drug American public health has faced ever. Yeah. You know, you, you look at some of the statistics and you see that overdose death has surpassed gun violence and motor vehicle accidents, all causes of death. It's just, it's really incredible that we still haven't got a handle on it. And you know what? 2022 is not that much better so far from the preliminary data than 2021. You know, I've said this in previous podcasts, Jack, but I think physicians are still getting a bad rap. When you look at where are the deaths coming from, it's coming from street drugs, synthetic fentanyls and, and illicitly manufactured opioids. And you and I have seen the, you know, the whole breed of this new type of novel substances where the chemists are making substances that look like benzos and look like opioids that have so far evaded our detection. I, I think doctors on the front line are still blamed and that the public thinks this is a prescription drug problem. Tell us a little bit about the trouble on the streets. 
Yeah, fentanyl, synthetic drug. I mean, you could just make it in a lab. It's not naturally derived. You don't need the poppy plant. And so this whole idea of the synthetic drug, illicit drug revolution or mass production of these novel types of substances that mirror traditional drugs really is challenging, I would say, the healthcare system probably more than we know as these novel substances or more synthetic drugs come um, into the market at varying rates, ebb and flow, but essentially beat or fly under the radar of traditional drug tests. So it's important for clinicians to just be aware of this novel synthetic drug use epidemic that is emerging and it's emerging and evolving rapidly. And then that reminder that, you know, drug testing is an objective tool, not only to assess for compliance or adherence to a prescribed medication, but also to identify, you know, those novel synthetic drugs that are impacting um, their patient population. You know, along those lines, Jack, and I don't want to give away too much, but at Quest, we're developing a, an NPS panel, so to speak, a novel psychoactive substance panel, so that we could help clinicians on the front line figure out if their patients are using or misusing any of these drugs, which they normally wouldn't test for, some of these synthetic agents. And while you were talking, it reminded me, if, if you want to go back and listen to the podcast that we did on COVID-19, the pandemic was just terrible from a drug abuse perspective. I mean, think about it. Patients are at home. They're getting paid stimulus money. They have this free money and nothing but time. And let me tell you something from working in the addiction clinic, free time is a bad thing for patients with substance use disorders because they're going to fill that time by mm -hmm. misusing drugs. And we saw that there was a huge spike in drug misuse during the pandemic. And it so closely relates to mental health. And I know, Jack, you've talked about this a lot in the past. Give us some insight on how mental health affects our population and affects drug use. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mental health patients suffering from it, it's always plagued this nation. I just think it's getting even more attention as we understand the, the fragility of the human mind. But depression, anxiety, and even more severe, you know, mental health disorders, schizophrenia, a lot of these are co-occurring with, guess what, substance use disorder. So one in four people over 18 years of age are prescribed mental health medications representing nearly 50 million Americans. You know, that's an increase of, of 20%. You know, the average number of people taking uh, prescription medications has gone up nearly 20% just in the last year. And so these drugs, you know, the antipsychotics and antidepressants, you know, a lot of times, you, you know, you prescribe them and you, you want to make sure, first of all, your patients are actually taking them. Is this psychosis, delirium or relapse, you know, the result of non-adherence to an antidepressant? or antipsychotic, or is it the result of illicit drug use in conjunction with that? Or is it the result of just abrupt discontinuation of these drugs, which should never happen? Not to disparage against anyone, but we know there's this problem with dual diagnoses. We know that most of the patients that frequent substance use treatment centers have coexisting mental health disorders. And unfortunately, Jack, I've met personally with payers and state representatives who say, oh, you can't drug test these people, you're biasing against them, and you can't stereotype them and all. Well, but look, they're the population that has a problem. So, you know, we're not stereotyping or biasing. We're just going by the data that we know patients with mental health disorders are going to have an increased incidence of substance misuse. That's not the population to just say, hey, we need to believe our patients. They have one goal in mind. I worked at a drug abuse treatment center for years. 
their goal is to get drugged. They will say anything and do anything. And there is no way that we could use a subjective tool like asking people about drug use. Does it help? Of course it does. We need objective tools to help tell us. Mm-hmm. And Quest Data supports that. Now, Jack, we've talked about this in, in previous podcasts, but give some people the idea of just from a huge national level scale, I mean, Quest being one of the bigger labs in the country, maybe in the world, what do we see from our own data? Yeah, I mean, to put it into perspective, we used millions and millions of drug test results to gather this data. And we found that nearly half, around 48, 49%, actually showed that drug test results come back as, quote, inconsistent. So, you know, not what you would expect from a patient who's essentially compliant. We find additional drugs in the urine that don't belong there. Mm-hmm. We find different drugs that aren't the prescribed drug. And sometimes we find no drug at all. And all of those things open the door for us to have a conversation with the patient, say, hey, what's going on? And guess what? If we didn't do those drug tests, we would have no idea about those. Almost yep. half of the samples every year that come into Quest have something wrong with them. More drugs, different drugs, no drugs found. When we look at the demographics, it doesn't matter if you're male or female. It doesn't matter how old you are. You know, there's some minor differences there, but drug misuse affects every population, every demographic, and we certainly need to be on top of it. And I'll add, it's one thing to send an alert to the patient that they, they can go pick up their prescriptions, but only a drug test really shows, you know, what's passed through the patient's system. When I see that metabolite, that byproduct in the urine, I know the drug is passed through the patient system, and that's a positive sign for adherence. If it's a prescription drug, it's a problem. If it's an illicit drug, as you know, like if we see norfentanil and it's obviously not prescribed, there's a big problem here. But that's the point. It's a great opportunity to have an open dialogue with the patient. And if there's an illicit drug, uh, another novel drug, if you ask a patient, did you know that there was fentanyl? in your cocaine, you know, I think many patients would be surprised, especially, you know, the ones that don't have severe substance use disorder. And if you ask them, would they still use that cocaine product? But there is a subset population that would say absolutely not. Of course, of course. And, you know, Jack, we we keep talking about the misbehaviors, the people using illicit drugs. But, you know, I've been in the pain world more than 25 years as a clinician already. Boy, it makes me sound old. But I can tell you there are patients that don't follow instructions. They underestimate the dangers of drugs. Yeah, I took two or three, four. I've heard patients tell me they took five or six tablets when their pain was out of control. They assume that prescriptions are safer because they're made by pharmaceutical companies, but they're not necessarily safer. I tell them they can't share their medicines with friends or family. I can't tell you thousands of times Patients will come back and have a lorazepam or alprazolam in their urine. And I say, well, what is this? I don't prescribe that. Yeah, I took my wife's medicine. I couldn't sleep. I was feeling anxious. So they underestimate the dangers of of medications. So I think that's one of the true benefits of drug testing is that it's not just for the misbehaving patient. It's for all patients. So give us an idea just from a top line. What are some of the important roles that drug monitoring can play? Yeah, identifies prescription drug use or non-use, you know, medication adherence, essentially traditional challenge with any pharmacological treatment, you know, detection of illicit substances and increasingly detection of novel illicit substances. And then it complements or fills the gap for these other tools that are used to assess for compliance to controlled substances, such as your state drug monitoring databases or, um, even, you know, pharmacy systems that are meant to promote medication adherence. So also identifies potential drug-drug interactions, 
which is a great counseling point for patients who are unaware of the dangers of combining these controlled substances, meets expectations of medical boards, maintains patient access to prescription therapies. You know, drug testing should not preclude patients from getting certain medications that they absolutely need. Again, this is a tool that's meant to fill in a gap, but also identify risky behaviors and provide the necessary tools for providers to have that objective conversation with patients. Sure. Yeah. Listen, I think the number one thing for our listeners is that it helps protect your practice. It helps protect you. It shows that you're considering that drug misuse is a problem and that you have a way to screen for it. And guess what? It's supported by the guidelines. At this point, you've heard us talk about this so many times. The CDC guidelines that were put out in 2016 were for primary care docs. The new 2022 updated guidelines are for anybody that prescribes opioids for acute or chronic pain. And the CDC says very clearly, before starting opioids and periodically, you should consider the benefits and risks of toxicology testing to look not only for prescribed medications, but other non-prescribed or illicit substances. So Jack, tell us, have the CDC guidelines changed practice in your opinion at all? Uh, not substantially, but still very important that you know drug testing is acknowledged. It is a useful tool and the CDC does acknowledge that. For example, you could look at some of the recommendations, but some considerations would say, or do say, you know, before starting opioids and periodically, at least annually during opioid therapy, clinicians should consider the benefits and risks of toxicology testing to assess for prescribed medications, as well as other prescribed and non-prescribed controlled substances. So let's not forget why these substances are, quote, controlled because they have an inherent abuse liability. Yeah, you know, I think the CDC went a little far, and I could clearly understand why they did it. They said, look, you should minimize bias in testing. And I've said this for decades already. We don't just test certain patients. We don't cherry pick the patients we're going to test. We test all patients. You can't look at a patient and understand what their drug-taking patterns or behaviors are like. Mm -hmm. And that if you get an unexpected result, we could do confirmatory testing, resetting the sample. But most importantly, I said before, you have a dialogue with the patient. You try to understand why is it that they keep coming up positive for alcohol while they're on ADHD medicines or opioid medicines, right? These are dangers that we need to talk about. And I think the CDC did something good. They said, look, there are different kinds of tests. You and I will talk about those in a second. There's presumptive and definitive. And there may be some places where you could use the relatively inexpensive presumptive screening. But hey, if you want to know exactly what's in a patient's system and you want nanograms per ml and you want to see that they took that drug and not just perhaps shaved off a little bit into the cup, you really need confirmatory or GCMS or LCMS testing. So Jack, let's go on to talk about how might a clinician implement the responsible drug monitoring protocol. Yeah, a provider should establish which individuals should be monitored. You mentioned all individuals. Of course, we always defer to the provider to determine medical necessity. Providers should evaluate patient risk factors using already validated tools such as the SOAP or the ORT, the opioid risk tool. Providers should review the state drug monitoring data-based programs. Each state has one. And then create written treatment agreements, discuss the risks and benefits of therapy, review patient responsibilities, conduct baseline testing, especially those new patients that come walking in the door. You want, you want to identify heroin use or fentanyl use before you prescribe that Percocet. Then conduct periodic and risk-based drug monitoring. 
You know, Jack, I do a fair amount of consulting from a medical legal standpoint, and this is always a sticking point. For doctors that get duped, in other words, they have patients that are strictly there to divert drug and, and get you know illicit controlled substances. These doctors will go six, eight, 12 months, two years, three years without doing a drug test, right? And they have no idea that the patient is either not taking the medicine or getting it from another source or using illicit substances on top of that. So really, you know, that baseline testing when they get to your office and the intermittent testing throughout really is key. So who do we test, Jack? We've said this a couple of times. Yeah, consider drug testing all patients, but also consider the risk factors. You know, patients with mental health conditions, including anxiety, depression, schizophrenia, ADHD, often have co-occurring substance use disorders. It's just good to identify those patients are exhibiting signs of drug misuse, and a drug test can help with that. But also, you know, even like patients who take buprenorphine for you know, opioid use disorder, a drug test can actually show if fentanyl is still in that patient's system and is sticking around. And we've heard case reports from providers saying like patients who are positive for buprenorphine and fentanyl may actually exhibit precipitated withdrawal, just more difficult to manage. And so, you know, does a provider consider using another substance such as methadone? And how do you manage those patients? Well, drug tests can kind of help steer and guide providers into making those clinical decisions. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, we've talked about this on previous podcasts. I think we have a whole podcast dedicated to how to test, right? The difference between presumptive and definitive testing. So just to remind you, there are rapid dipstick and point of care cup devices. Those use the concept of immunoassay. There are laboratory-based immunoassays, which are usually more sensitive than those point of care devices. And, you know, Jack, we've said before, presumptive testing plays a role. You could have your result in minutes. It gives you some insights into the patient's drug use, but it doesn't give you the metabolites and it misses a lot of drugs, especially the synthetic drugs. So that's where definitive testing comes in. Give us a, a quick blurb about how that's done at the lab. Yeah, you have your presumptive testing, which is your general screen, immunoassay or point of care testing. They have their its utility, but you can also miss a lot. You can get false positives, false negatives. Definitive testing is essentially the bread and butter for identifying, you know, exogenous substances in, in nature, you know, that substances that originate from outside the body and make their way into the patient's body and pass through it. So it's very sensitive, can detect drugs at very low levels. Sometimes, uh, sometimes that might create a headache because you might just find manufacturing impurities and whatnot. So you try to develop clinically derived detection thresholds. So relevant cutoffs essentially, but then you know, very specific, you can see specific drug metabolites and understand their metabolic pathways and what's actually going on with the patient. So Jack, I get this question all the time, as I'm sure you do as well. Hey, I know with the cups and the dipsticks, there's a lot of cross reactivity, like, you know, ibuprofen for marijuana or one of the psych drugs for methamphetamine. Do we get those, that cross reactivity or those false positives with definitive drug testing? Like when you send the sample to the lab? No, a definitive test is essentially a true positive result. Like when you get there, assuming everything was done correctly from specimen handling and from the clinic all the way through lab handling, this is the best piece of equipment we have in nature for identifying substances. And it, it, essentially, it, it's a true positive result. And it's not so much, is this a true positive result? It's more about what is the source of this positive result? You know, is it from poppy seeds? Is it from actual drug misuse? Is it from manufacturing impurities? That's why it's important to reach out to your laboratory and speak to experts at Quest regarding a particular drug test results that might be difficult to interpret. 
Yeah, in just a second, we're going to tell our listeners how to actually do that. But I think that was a critical point. When you send your sample to a laboratory like Quest and they do a a complex test like a GC or an LCMS, the result you get is what was in the sample. We don't get cross-reactivity like we do on those cheaper point-of-care, more rapid devices. Jack, run through real quick before we finish, just what are some of the drug analytes that we might test for that a clinician might think about testing for? Yeah, you know, we know the, the usual suspects. We've looked at enough drug testing data to see what's actually positive in patient populations, and it can vary by region. I call them the fast movers. These are the traditional substances that keep trending upward. And so you have your alcohol metabolites, very risky when you see it in combination with you know, other central nervous system depressants, such as benzodiazepines. Um, you have your amphetamines, methamphetamine, Adderall. You have barbiturates, traditional old school drugs of abuse, uh, but also prescription medication as well. We don't really see those very positive anymore. Benzodiazepines, buprenorphine, cocaine, fentanyl, heroin, marijuana, methadone, opiates, oxycodone. I mean, you name it, Dr. Gooden, but those are the usual suspects I would call. So it might sound overwhelming to our clinicians out there who aren't actually ordering drug testing. Let's take Quest, for example, the lab we know best. How would they go about it? Do we have panels or menus that they could choose from or Can we help them customize a protocol? Yeah, I mean, uh, it could be designed, you know, at Quest, we have options. We have providers can design a profile, a panel, um, however they like with the drugs that they think might be impacting their patient population. Um, And they can also leverage Quest large drug testing database to make sure they're testing for what's actually relevant, what's pertinent, and not testing for some of these antiquated drugs that are never positive anymore, just to balance cost and clinical benefit. Yeah, sure. You know, I take a drug like propoxyphene or Darvacet is not around anymore, and I see some labs still testing for it. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. I I think we've moved away from that. So as we conclude here, let me remind those of you that are on the front lines that drug testing is just another tool in your toolbox. It's just, it complements things like your patient interview, the family interview, prescription drug monitoring database queries, which are now available in every state. Some states say that you need to check the PDMP every visit. Others say it could be less often. Some states say you have to do it as the frontline clinician. Others say your staff members can do it. But so know your local state regulations when it comes to PDMP. But develop your own risk mitigation strategies. Use one of the questionnaires. I know we've talked about this in previous podcasts. There's the the SOAP tool. There's the ORT, the opioid risk tool. These are short five or 10 question tools that help give you some insights into the risk factors for misusing drug. And by all means, if you have any suspicion that a patient is doing something wrong, use your sixth sense and question them about it. Order a drug test, talk to their family members, but don't just turn a blind eye because it could really mean the difference between life and death. So as we come to a conclusion, I want to thank Dr. Kane for joining me today. I want to remind you that if you're a prescriber of controlled substances, that means benzodiazepines, opioids, psychostimulants, You must develop risk management strategies for your practice, and that should include skills in drug testing. If you don't know about drug testing, check with your local lab. Labs like Quest have hotlines. As a matter of fact, ours is 1-877-40-RX-TOX, and you can Google the TOX sign. We have people available to help you with What tests should you order? How should you order them? Should you do presumptive or definitive? What do the results mean when you get them? And believe it or not, a lot of times, if there's complex scenarios, these consultations will come right to Dr. Kane or myself. 
But by drug testing, you could really structure your therapy as a comprehensive monitoring plan that helps patients adhere to their regimens, especially those that have trouble adhering to regimens, like those that are at high risk or display aberrant behaviors. Jack, any closing comments? Just echoing what you just said, it's an objective tool, very important for, especially in those high-risk patients as well. I mean, you can monitor for adherence to these antipsychotics, such as like Abilify, antidepressants, such as like Wellbutrin, which actually kind of works like a stimulant, but also adherence to pain management regimens and anxiolytics, such as like benzodiazepines. That's awesome. So for those of you that are new to our podcast, if you want to go to questdrugmonitoring.com, you could see the other podcasts that we've done in the past. I'd like to thank you guys on behalf of Quest Diagnostics. This is Dr. Jeff Gooden. Please feel free to join us for our next in a series of podcasts. Have a great day. Okay. Well, thanks, Jeff and Jack. Thanks for a great discussion on medication adherence testing. I would like to just give you guys a few notes to wrap up. To learn more about our Quest Drug Monitoring offering, please visit questdrugmonitoring.com. Here you can find some information on our test directory, our offerings, as well as a ton of educational resources and insights from our team of toxicology experts. Dr. Gooden mentioned, but we have a RX Tox line that you can call if you have any questions on test ordering or results interpretation. That number is one 877 rx and finally, to listen to this and all our other podcasts on drug testing, be sure to visit questdrugtesting.com or subscribe through your favorite podcast venue. At Quest, we're committed to providing you results and insights to support your clinical decisions.